Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Jeff Falkowski, and uh, I am on staff here at the church. I'm not an imposter. I work in the area of discipleship and young families, and so just in case you don't know who I am, I'm, I, I, do, uh, I think I belong here, so it's great. It's good to see you today. I want to just here on this first day of the new year, yeah, oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, appreciate that. Isn't that wonderful? That's, there you go. <laughs> it got caught up in the prayers. Um, thanks, Ray. I appreciate that. Um, anyway, so uh, with that, uh, I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Galatians. And um, happy Advent, by the way. It's the first day of the new year. Did you know that? that you all think January 1st is the new year. The new year starts on the first day of Advent. That's the, church, the new year of the church calendar. And so for, for literally for centuries, the church had a calendar. They basically took the Hebrew calendar and they made it significant by the Christ event, Christ coming, his birth, and his life and his death, his resurrection. And then all of a sudden they said, you know what, we, we want to make sure that we have a church calendar that we're not taken and swept away by the secular calendar of their day. And so if you might notice, sometimes in the church, we, we follow the secular can, calendar, right, as opposed to the, uh, to the church calendar. So... Um, Happy Advent, Happy New Year to you today. And you all are confused, and I've just totally detracted from the message. So anyway, uh, let's look at Galatians before I dig a deeper hole. Uh, Chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. And uh, the title of today's lesson is, There Can Be Only One. Hear the word of the Lord. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you another gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's, there's, there's some troubling statistics, and we probably heard those, and sometimes we get tired of looking at statistics because it's really not in favor of what is happening with people between the ages of 19 and 29, because there's a mass exodus in the church. In fact, if you read the most recent Barnes survey, you'll discover that 64% of people between the ages of 19 and 29, they actually leave the church. And so that's a, that's a troubling statistic, right? And that was pre-COVID because that survey was given in, in 2019. And Post-COVID, they literally are saying that 40% of people will no longer attend um, weekly services or attend services anymore inside of church. Uh, that's the drop-off number from, from COVID. And the Church of the Apostles has done pretty well. We've, we've kind of skirted those numbers. But the question is, is, is how well have we skirted those numbers from 19 to 29? I haven't done the actual 
um, math on that, so I can't tell you that today. But I can say this, that the reason why people are, are leaving the church, according to the surveys, is because they don't feel like the church is relevant to them. That's one of the, the big factors. Now, now, mind you, I want to let you know, just because this 19 to 29-year-old age group is leaving the church, they're not leaving, leaving necessarily re- leaving Christ. They just aren't, they aren't worshiping in a, in a church body anymore. 11% are leaving the faith of that 64%. But nonetheless, that's troubling, right? Because the scripture tells us that we're called to gather together, right? But by the way, we're not called to gather together to show that we're worthy Christians or to show our worth or, 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 or express our sacrifice to God. That's the wrong sense of worship. You don't gather to worship so you, 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 know, you, you come and sacrifice something to the Lord. Christ has done it all for you. So you come to worship for one purpose, and that's to receive the gift, the gift of the preached word, right? Christ is in the preached word. He's our gift. The gift of Christ in the sacraments through the means of grace that God has given us. And I think kind of what's happened, and I have a friend of mine who's an amateur ethnographer, and if you don't know what the ethnographer is, it's somebody who does research by listening to stories. And it's a, it's a field of, of scientific research that's out there. And and what, they're disco- what he's discovering is that a lot of these 19 to 29-year-olds are leaving church for this purpose. Listen, this is important for us to get. They're tired of the do's and the don'ts. They're tired of the shoulds and the should nots. They, they come to church and they get beat up week in and week out rather than being encouraged with the gift. And you've probably heard me say this before if you've heard me preach in, in this service or any service, that... Religion, man-made religion, and Christianity are, are just a difference of spelling, right? Man-made religion is spelled D-O. And what does D-O spell? Do, right? What we do so that God will be pleased with us. But Christianity is spelled a little differently. It has two more letters. It's spelled D-O-N-E. What does that spell? Done. What Christ has done for us. See, the gospel is a pretty simple thing for us as, as followers of Jesus. We understand this, right? As good evangelicals, it's by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is a gift. From who? God. Not by? That no man may boast. And then it goes on even to say, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, by the way, which God has given us to do, right? So God, in fact, gives us works as gifts, not as burdens. And I think what's happening in the church is that a Lutheran theologian by the name of Rod Rosenblatt made this statement that much of 21st and 20th century evangelicalism is just a repainting of medieval Roman Catholicism. Oh, we, 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 we get the gospel for the unsaved, right? Oh, God loves you. He forgives all your sin. His grace is sufficient. But once we get saved, we better, you know, we better have a quiet time. We better be sharing our faith. We better be tithing. We better be showing up at church. We better be behaving properly and morally. Otherwise, we're not really Christians. By the way, that's another gospel. You see, because here's the gospel. Now, if you don't remember anything I say after this today, the one thing I want you to walk out of here with, and we honestly could just close up shop and go home after this, but we won't 
because I want to give you your money's worth, okay? That's important. The gospel is Christ for you as gift through faith, which is a gift. Christ for you as gift. He incarnated his life and he lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death. He rose again. He ascended at the right hand of the Father. He's given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing, that's a little Louisiana kitchen talk, our inheritance. It's all him. It's all gift. When you start saying, yeah, but, and some of you have the yeah, but going on in your mind right now, you know you're starting to put your faith in something other than the gospel. You're starting to put your faith in yourself. And we live in a performative culture, friends. Where did you go to school? Where did you go to college? What was your SAT score? What was your GPA? What activities are you involved in? And we put all this pressure on ourselves. And then we bring that same performative mentality in the church. How well are you behaving? How good are you? How active are you? And we put that on our kids and they go, I can't take it anymore. (laughs) I'm done. I'm all for for my kids behaving and being moral and doing right. I'm not for conflating that with the gospel. Do you understand? And here's the most important thing about it. When I say to little Johnny or little Susie, and I have three of them, when I say to little Johnny and little Susie, God is not pleased when you, immediately what I'm telling them is that God's favor and pleasure for you is based upon your performance, and if you fail, he no longer loves you and is pleased with you. God loves us and demonstrated it in one way, by sending his son to lay his life down for us and give us this incredible gift so that we can be truly free to love our neighbor or not. That's hard to believe, isn't it? And, and, and so here's the Apostle Paul. He starts off with this thing and he, it basically he tells the Galatians, I'm astonished. You're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there's another gospel. So, so here's the thing, friends. When, when we are turning away from the gospel, we are actually turning away from God. And I don't mean this in a pejorative way, right? I don't want to put that burden on you because you might be going, oh my gosh, am I deserting the gospel because I'm putting my faith and trust in what I do and rather than what he's done? I don't want to put that on you at all today. What I'm trying to say is it's very, very simple. God's face in Christ is always turned towards us. He makes his face shine down upon us. It's just sometimes we turn away from that incredible love and grace that God has given us. And and Paul's astonished that this church, this Galatian church, has come to that space where they're no longer trusting in the finished work of Christ and beginning to trust in something else that's not a gospel at all. They're beginning to trust in, in performance, beginning to trust in becoming, actually becoming Hebrews, even though they were Greek, right? Because that was the big thing about the book of Galatians is that a group of people known as the Judaizers, say that 10 times really fast. Um, Don't do that, please. 
You can do it in your mind if you want, but don't do it out loud. But that being said, the Judaizers came in and they would walk in behind Paul and they would say, we love this justification by faith. It's fantastic. It's, we're into it. But Paul's missing something because we've come down from the Jerusalem church and, and we want to let you know that we hang out with the guys that actually walked with Jesus. Paul's not really, he's not really, he's not apostle like they are. Of course, Paul argues and he says, hey, I'm an apostle. And he says, what you really, if you're really a good Christian, you're going to follow the law of Moses. You're going to get circumcised. You're going to keep the feast. You're going to have, have dietary laws that are very, very important. And, and here's the thing is, 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 is what they're basically going to and doing is the same sin that was committed in the garden. When Adam and Eve didn't trust in the gospel that God had given them all good things to enjoy, they had to go and do it themselves, didn't they? They had to reach out, take and touch and grab for themselves, in a sense, earning their own righteousness. It's like Cain and Abel. I mean, Cain couldn't trust that God was the way that in that sacrifice that points to Christ. He had to do it his own way. And we do the same thing in our faith. Evangelicals are famous for it. Yeah, but are you really a Christian? Are you a good Christian? Does that make sense? Have you ever heard that before? Because how good do you have to be? Uh, on my very best day, and I've had a lot of best days, I have fasted, I have prayed, I've won people to Christ, I've done open air preaching, I've memorized large passages of scripture, I walked a little lady old across the street, I was kind to everybody, but still I walk in Romans 7. You know what Romans 7 is? The things I do, I don't want to do. Who will save me? from this wretched person that I am. Thanks be to God, by Jesus Christ our Lord. There now is therefore. Now, in our walk with God, how can we be so graceful to those who don't know Christ and so lawful to those people who walk in the church? I don't understand it. God's grace is sufficient for you before Christ and in Christ. Amen? That's what we need to rest on. And so, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Believe this. Christ is for you. And the good news is in this passage that I would have a lot of anxiety and fear that that, that word deserting is not that they have deserted, but they're in this process. And I want to let you know something. You might think, well, you know what? Let's get onto the deeper things of God, Jeff. Let's just move into the, the deeper things of faith. Let's be more mature Christians. Let me just tell you something. The most mature thing you can do as, as a Christian is to recognize this, that it's all God and it's all gift. And you just receive it through faith, which is a gift. And, and you know what? We need to hear that every day, don't we? Am I the only one that needs to hear that every day? I can't tell you how many times I find myself in that place where, I, where I'm anxious and frustrated and full of anxiety and fear and it's all crashing down on me because why I'm deserting the one who's shining his face upon me in Jesus through the cross, right? It's all about what he's done. I wonder if we would be able to keep some of those folks in the church, if they, if they would come and realize I'm coming here to be encouraged to receive the gifts 
through the means of grace, of the preaching of the gospel. Because Jesus said all the scripture speaks about who? Him. Isn't that what he said on the road to Emmaus? Hey, let me show you guys how all the scripture speaks of me. A lot of people say, well, where's the gospel? The gospel starts in the book of Genesis. Chapter 3, people call it the Proto-Evangelion. Genesis 3 and 15. You ever heard that word? The Proto-Evangelion. Sounds really cool, doesn't it? In other words, it means it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the little inception of the gospel. But the God, it's not the inception. It's the gospel. It preaches this in Genesis 3 and 15, that, that the serpent is going to have his head crushed by the Messiah. That God is going to crush the head of the serpent and, it, and God is giving good news from the get-go. And what does Paul say the purpose of the law is, right? What's the purpose of the law? To show us what? And what does that, should that do for us once we see our sin? Try to do better? Try to do more? Try to be greater? What should that do? should make us run to a Savior and say, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. It's why Jesus said this, you know, to the worn out, overburdened, religiously broken people of his day, who the Pharisees, who, by the way, you'd love to have the Pharisees your next door neighbor. They would have green thumb righteousness. Their lawn would be cut. Their bushes would be trimmed. They would be going to synagogue every single week. Their kids would be moral. They, they would be good kids, perfect little Pharisees. You'd love them. But the problem is, is that they would tie up burdens, and my Pharisee heart does this to myself all the time. They would tie up burdens and bear it down on you so much so and not do a thing to lift it from your back. And every week when you come and gather as the body of Christ, I hope you're feeling the burden of Pharisaical religion being lifted off your back. That's why I think a lot of people are said, I'm, I'm done going to church. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. I need to know that Christ is a gift for me every day. That's not, there's no other gospel, friends. And it's astonishing to Paul because it's such good news. The second thing that I want to talk about today is, uh, is that good people will seek to turn us away from the gospel, right? Notice what Paul says. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. He said, there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But notice this. He doesn't say, but even if Satan and his demons from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one who preached, let him be accursed. What does he say? Even if I do this and I preach the gospel to you, if an angel, a beautiful angel from God who who." flies around the throne of God crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, comes and preaches another gospel, and just lean in it if they do it. And this is, this is the thing, friends. Oftentimes people that we trust, that look good, that have a platform, and have a ministry, sometimes they can find themselves in error, and they can preach a false gospel and tie you and me up with burdens that we cannot bear. Does that make sense? And, and you know what? And, and, here, and here's the thing, folks, and, and I'm just going to be full disclosure. I mean, my kids grew up in church. I pastored a church up in North Georgia for 10 years. And 
I, uh, I preach the gospel as clear as I'm preaching it today. I hope I'm preaching it clearly. I hope I'm actually making some of you upset. And because I know if you're getting upset by this, if you're saying, oh, it's easy, don't preach easy believism to us. I'm not preaching easy believism. I'm just saying the truth is the truth. Christ is for you today and every day. God can't prove it any more to you than what Christ has done for you on the cross. And you're free to serve him or not. And you're saying, yeah, but if you truly believe in Christ, you'll serve him. I'm like, well, that, that's, not, that's besides the point. Don't conflate that with the gospel. Does that make sense? All right, coming back. I know I'm beating this to death. I know I am. But you know why I'm beating it to death? It's because that religious spirit of Adam that lives in us. Listen to me. This is important. He died in the waters of baptism. But heck, if he's not a good swimmer and he wants to get on your back and pull you under the water with him. Does that make sense? That's why I'm so adamant, no pun intended, about bringing this point across. But good people do it. So my son grew up in, in, in church, and he's not here today, so I can use him as an example without, without him getting upset. And he dropped off. I mean, he is one of the statistics right now. After COVID, he just stopped going to church. His church that he was worshiping at stopped, and he got out of the habit. And of course, being the dad that I am, my son is 24, by the way, I'm, I'm on him. You need to get back in church. You get back in church. You need to go to church. Son, you need to go to church. Son, I'm preaching on Sunday. You need to go to church. I didn't do that this week, by the way, just to let you know. And so I looked at him. I said, Josh, I said, I'm sorry if I ever conflated the gospel with anything more than Christ is for you as a gift through faith, which is a gift. Nothing more, nothing less. We were eating dinner. And you know what he did? He looked at me and he said, Dad, that's hard to believe. See, because I wonder if in all my preaching, if I didn't bring performative religion to him. And I wonder if 64% of the pre-COVID 20 to 29-year-olds are tired of performative religion and just need to know that God is for them. And Christ is given to them as a gift. See, I, I'm a good person. <laughs> but it's troubling, isn't it? That word trouble in the Greek means to stir up, disturb mentally or physically or to excite fear. I know when I'm being troubled. You know when I'm being troubled? Is when I'm in that place and I'm Say to myself, God, I'm not having a good day. I didn't have a really good quiet time this morning. Anybody ever have say that to themselves besides me? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's okay. I mean, I love the people that do. Oh, I'm not having a good day because I didn't have a good quiet time. Are, are you kidding me? Do you see where I'm putting the locus of my faith? It's on me. And I become troubled. I become anxious. I become distressed. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? Remember this, when somebody asks you when you were saved, I can say it was October of 1991, but in all reality, I was saved 2,000 years ago on 3 o'clock on an old Jerusalem hillside in the afternoon on Good Friday. Christ did it. I didn't figure it out. He did it, and he gave this gift to me. And by faith, through faith, 
because of Christ, I received it. Wow, that, shouldn't that set you free? Does that, do you believe that? See, because the, the Galatians had trouble believing that. They wanted, to, they wanted to have something to identify, something to hang their hat on. They wanted to look inward to themselves and go, I don't feel saved, so if I get circumcised and I keep these laws or if I go through these evangelical kind of things that we expect, then I know I'm really saved and I can also look at my neighbor and go, you're not saved because you're not doing those things. And I'm better than you because I do more than you. I go out and evangelize. I have my quiet time. I'm kind to my neighbor. Look how good of a Christian I am. And when you begin to do that, where is the locus of your faith? It's in you. And you never can do enough. It will condemn you. And that's why we find ourselves so anxious. And that's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and find rest for your souls. For I'm gentle, I'm humble, I'm meek at heart and take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you're living a Christian life where you're burdened and heavy and you feel completely and totally in a space where you're condemned and you don't know and you're always measuring yourself up every day, even today, if you miss church, you might think you're a bad Christian. You're not. You're not a bad Christian. You came here to receive the good news of the gospel, to be encouraged. Let us not forsake the assembly of the brethren. Why? So that we might encourage each other. We might receive the gift and be a gift to others. Not so that we can check off the list for God. Amen? Don't be troubled. Christ Christ is our peace. Christ is our rest. Christ is enough. Amen? And so finally, the third implication is that if, if, if we're preaching another gospel, it's a, it's a serious peril. Notice Paul says, if anyone preaches a gospel contrary to the one that we preach, let it be accursed. As I said before and say again, if anyone is preaching to you another gospel contrary to the one you received, let it be accursed. That's tough language, isn't it? Let me just encourage you really quickly. Paul's desire is not for anybody to be accursed. It's not. He's just trying to let the Galatians know in that passage how serious it is that they hold on to the gospel. Isn't it amazing? If you, you think, oh, no, I never drift. If you're one of the person that thinks that you never drift, you probably drifted. All of Hebrews, all of Romans, all of Galatians, much of Ephesians, so much of the New Testament is all about holding on to Christ and letting go of everything else. Including our sanctification. Guess what? Sanctification's a gift. May God himself, the God of truth, sanctify you through and through. May your whole body, soul, and spirit be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, that's... That's a heavy burden, isn't it? It Makes it feel like it's all up to me. Oh, but listen to what he says. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He's the one that's going to cause you to persevere. He's the one that's sanctifying you. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? It's not up to you. If it was up to you and it was up to me, even on our best days, we'd need to repent anyway. Amen? 
let the burden be lifted. See, the gospel oftentimes is just a little distortion, right? Just a little bit. It's Christ plus. That's what it is. And it's so easy for us to say, I'm a good Christian if I get involved in, and you fill in the blank. I'm involved in politics. I'm involved in helping the poor. I'm involved in evangelism. That's what really makes me a Christian. But that's a false gospel. Friends, let me just say something. I'm all for people. Get involved in politics. Go evangelize. Be a missionary. Care for the poor or not. It's hard to believe. Did he say or not? Let me just tell you something. If it's based upon your performance, you being a good missionary, you being a good evangelist, you being pious, having good quiet times, you giving, you showing up at church, you, 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 if it's all, if it's all based on that, then, then let me just say something. Then here's the thing about it. You can't truly love your neighbor unless you can freely love your neighbor. Does that make sense? Can I give you one quick example of that? We're about to land the plane. Don't worry about it. This is too good. Not, this is too good. We can, this is a good holding pattern to be in, folks. The other day, and I shared this with my class, I'm out there, and my neighbor just lost her husband. And she's, I tried to share the gospel with her and her husband one time, and, and her husband said he believed. And I didn't say, how much do you believe? Yeah, I don't think you believe enough. Um, but she said she, she was proud, and she was like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that silly, right? And so one day she's out there and, and he's been gone for a few weeks and it's freezing cold. And I live in a town, a home community. So we have people that do our, our grass and, and, you know, they blow and stuff. We pay for that. And she's out there actually trying to rake leaves. And I'm thinking, oh, you gotta be kidding me. They're gonna come tomorrow and blow those anyway, right? And then I have this like, oh, if I'm gonna be a good Christian, I, I gotta go out there and help her. I mean, that's what good Christians do right? And then I'm like, and she's a cantankerous, difficult person. I'm just telling you. I, I hope this isn't on tape and she never listens to it. <laughs> so I sat there and I thought, you know what? I don't want to tell you exactly what I thought, but I'll tell you exactly what I thought. I just want to sit, I've had a hard day. I want to sit down and watch TV and drink a beer. All right, some of you are going, no, he can't be saved if he said that. <laughs> Trust me, there was a time when I thought that, 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 that this whole church was going to hell in a handbasket because I was a teetotaler, and then I came to Church of the Apostles, and I saw that this church wasn't a teetotaling church, and I said, oh, I've got to get him saved. But that's, I learned that there was Christians here too, um, which was good. But anyway, so I, I, I just, I, and, I, and, I, and I thought, oh, man, I, I can do that, and, and it doesn't matter. I'm still righteous whether I sit down and watch TV or if I go and help her rake leaves. It doesn't matter. And guess what? I was like, you know what? I think I want to help her. This is weird. <laughs> I went from not wanting to help her. It was a burden because that's what Christ expects of me then to being free to going and helping my neighbor. You see, because my gospel is no longer tied to that. I decoupled them. Decoupled that lie that the devil tells you is Jesus plus all these other things, right? What motivates us? Why are we so motivated to, to, to not believe in the gospel, right? Paul says, am I now trying to please man or am I trying to please God? He's referring to the gospel by the way. Everybody tries to bring this and said, I'm not going to be a man pleaser and watch bad movies. 
That's not what Paul's saying. Or listen to bad music around other people. I'm going to be, I'm going to be morally righteous. Hey, I'm, I'm great. I, I think you should be careful about what you watch and what you listen to. Absolutely. It's not good for your soul. But what motivates us is, is when I, I, what I noticed when I was living up in North Georgia, just outside of Big Canoe. I live in Big Canoe. My church was just outside of the gates of Big Canoe. And when I was up there, I noticed something. I, after a few years, I realized, like, I knew my, my audience. I knew what their tastes and their preferences and their cultural things were. Uh, I had a bunch of people that were upper middle class from Atlanta that bought homes in Big Canoe to retire to play golf. And I had people from Pickens County and Dawson County who were blue-collar workers, worked in the marble plants and things like that, and uh, they were conservative. And, um, you know, we had the gospel of the Second Amendment up there. I made the mistake of saying, I don't own a gun. Literally, in that next week, I had four guns given to me by members of my church. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, so, 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 so what I learned is, is that... Is that I could, I could speak about politics in a certain way. I could speak about morality in a certain way. And everybody would clap their hands for me. But then I would talk about things like racism in Pickens County. Okay. And man, you could have heard a pin drop. I could talk about those other issues. And it was amazing to me how people would tie their gospel to, to something other than Jesus. They tie their gospel to be an American. They tie their gospel to a political party. I literally got off the bus one time in my community, and there are people basically saying, if you're a part of this political party, you can't be a Christian. Now, mind you, you know, um, I won't go there. Uh, but anyway, what, what I'm saying is, is that, is that our, we have to be very careful because it's so easy to want to please people, Right? It's so easy to want to be a man pleaser. And that's what Paul is being accused of. He's accused of not bringing a hard enough gospel to the Galatians. Oh yeah, you're making it so easy for them. All they really need to do is believe in Christ. Right? That's how he would have been, that's how he was supposedly man pleasing. Remember, Paul was accused of this. And this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. Paul was accused of preaching in such a way that shall we sin that grace shall abound. That's what people are saying. Paul's preaching that you should sin that grace should abound. And then he said, that's not what I'm preaching. Sin shall not be your master because you're not of the law, but under grace. What shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By, now, by no means. But the gospel that he preached was so poignant that people actually believed he's preaching a gospel uh, that allowed you just to run into sin. And I'd rather be accused of preaching a gospel that allows people to run into sin and God's grace is sufficient than one that says, you're all going to hell in a handbasket, except me, because I have the truth. So just follow me as I tear, put burdens on your shoulders and destroy your life. Christ for you as a gift through faith, nothing more, nothing less. Amen.